Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John, the 21st chapter. When Jesus and his disciples had finished eating, he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than the others do? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus told him. Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times if he loved him. So he told Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. I tell you for certain that when you were a young man, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will hold out your hands. Then others will wrap your belt around you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to tell how Peter would die and bring honor to God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. May we receive a blessing in the hearing of these words. Thank you, Gail, for proclaiming the scriptures in our midst. Proclaiming the scriptures has always been a central part of Christian worship. And these holy words come into us. They are not just received, but they they enter our community, enter our midst, and they change us. The Reveal study on religious practices and spiritual growth found that the number one practice that leads to spiritual growth is spending time with scripture. And they found that this is true for people who are new in the faith and for people who've been disciples for decades. That scripture moves us along on our spiritual journey. And isn't that frankly why we gather for church? We come to experience God. We come because we experience God in the gathered community and because we want to move on our spiritual journey. We want to continue on that. And I suspect part of Scripture's power in moving us is that it is full of stories of people being moved along on their spiritual journey, and we catch it. And today's reading is a story of Peter being moved along, being moved along so much we can call it transformation. It is, it is a story of rising strong from denial. And it is Peter's transformation. I want to start with the backstory. So Peter was one of the very first disciples. We hear about Peter way back in chapter one of John's gospel. He clearly had a spiritual gift of leadership because he became a leader of the disciples pretty quickly. He clearly had deep faith and loyalty to Jesus, when the crowds abandoned Jesus and Jesus turned to the disciples and said, are you leaving also? It was Peter who said, 
who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, it was Peter who stood up and tried to defend Jesus with his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's slave. And Jesus said, put that away. When they took Jesus off, it was Peter who followed at a distance. And then everything collapsed for Peter. It just crumbled. He denied Jesus. When he was asked if he was a disciple, he said, I am not. Not once, not twice, but three times. I am not, he said. He denied that he was a disciple. He betrayed this teacher whom he followed. He betrayed the one whom he said had the words of eternal life. And then on Easter morning, when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and found it empty, the first person she told was Peter. And Peter couldn't believe it. Well, the Gospel of John has three resurrection accounts. And do you know that Peter is not mentioned in any of them? We don't hear about Peter again until this, right, the story we heard just now, chapter 21. So when Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room, was Peter there? Perhaps not. Perhaps his guilt kept him away. Perhaps he knew that his denial was unforgivable. That that in that act of denying Jesus, he had wounded his relationship with Jesus severely. He had shattered it. He had named himself not a disciple. And it was indefensible. We're going to pause right there. I want to remind you, when the Gospels were written, when they were read the first time, they were written to people who were already believers. They were sent to churches. The Gospels were written for people who already believed, who already named Jesus as their Lord and their God, who had heard the good news and come to believe. And not only that, they knew that the leader of the church was Peter. Peter was the head of the church in Jerusalem. So they knew all about this, all this about Peter, as they are hearing Peter denied Jesus three times. And so perhaps they're wondering, like, how did that happen? How do you go from denying Jesus, not even there for these resurrection accounts, to head of the church? to that kind of faith. We're back to the story. So the disciples decided to go fishing. And they weren't catching anything until someone on the beach said, cast the net on the other side. And then a miracle happened. So many fish, they couldn't get it into the boat. And it's the disciple whom Jesus loved who said, it's the Lord. And Peter jumped into the water. 
Now, I kind of always thought Peter jumped into the water because he was so enthusiastic to get to Jesus. But, you know, it actually doesn't say that he went to the shore. Maybe Peter jumped in the water, you know, to hide or to run away. Maybe his denial is still holding on to him. Maybe his guilt is still has still captured him and the thought of seeing Jesus face to face is more than he can deal with. But he doesn't run away and Jesus asks someone to go get him some fish and Peter does it. Now we still don't know how Peter's doing. We know he's being awfully cooperative, but Peter hasn't spoken. And then Jesus feeds them. Jesus feeds them. And everything changes. It is in the being fed that they know it is the risen Christ that they are with. It's an old pattern with Jesus, transforming people over food, with food. On that beach, he transformed people with bread and fish. This morning, he will offer the same to us with bread and wine or grape juice. Jesus feeding changes people. That morning, after feeding Peter, Jesus says to him, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Now, why would Jesus know that? He says, feed my lambs. And he asks again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Hmm. How would he know that? Peter, or Je- Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And a third time he asks. Peter gets a little exasperated and says, you know everything. You know I love you. And this time Jesus says, feed my sheep and follow me. Follow me. He asks of Peter to follow him with his whole life. With his whole life and all his strength and all his heart and all his mind and all of his soul. And when Peter does that, it will lead to martyrdom just like it did for Jesus. And Jesus names that. This this transformation of Peter from betrayer to faith-filled apostle could not have been more stark. Because Peter doesn't just follow Jesus, he tells everybody, he tells everyone who will listen this good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And even when he's threatened with death, he keeps at it. Because again, he will be threatened with death, but this time he will proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when he is um, when he is sentenced to crucifixion, tradition tells us, under Emperor Nero, Peter asks to be crucified upside down because it is too great an honor to die the same way as Jesus. Peter's an amazing example of rising strong from denial. 
And he is not the only one. He is not the only one who has denied God or done bad things and been transformed by forgiveness. Perhaps in your past, you have done something bad, inexcusable, and you have been transformed by forgiveness. I love being around people in addiction recovery because they are such amazing transformations right in front of you. When I've talked with folks in addiction recovery, they're pretty honest about the terrible mistakes they've made, about the bad things they have done. They take responsibility. They say, it was me. And they allow themselves to be transformed by the power of forgiveness. I was recently at a clergy gathering, and one of the pastors has just published a book of poems on grief that she wrote um, as she was plunged into grief at the unexpected death of her brother. And she was saying, you know, now she's, you know, going into a new appointment. She's starting uh, to serve a new church, and people find out, you know, that her brother died. And she says, and they say these things to me. That, that are just hurtful, like God needed another angel or your brother's in a better place. And she says, I just, they hurt me. She goes, and then I think back to my first 10 years in ministry. She said, I said stuff like that to people. The grief changed her. And she sees things now she never saw before. We can assume that Peter knew what he was doing when he denied Jesus, but sometimes it's the sin that we are unaware of that can also be deeply hurtful. I think racism is that way. I remember when I thought I was not racist, and I said things like, I don't see color, and I supported the civil rights movement, and then... My brothers and sisters helped me to see that while I wasn't overtly racist, I wasn't exactly working to change racist structures, and that I still held racist attitudes even though I don't want to. I remember being in an airport late in the evening, and it cleared out, and a black man walked in, and I felt afraid. And I stopped, and I examined myself and my fear. And I thought, is he doing anything threatening? No. Is he being creepy? No. And then I made myself imagine if he was white, behaving in the exact same way, would I feel afraid? No. Yep, there's that racism that I wish I didn't have. In the preaching notes for this worship series, it says to share an example of a mistake or a sin that I have made in my faith journey and then received forgiveness for. It is 
it is kind of, you know, um, a, uh, an examination of how well-developed your conscience is. You know, think of something bad you did and the way you received forgiveness. I started reflecting on my own, on my own life. I don't have any big obvious sins. Like I haven't cheated on my spouse. I haven't abandoned my children. I haven't stolen from my family and friends. I haven't murdered anybody. So I was going through thinking of an example. But I have denied God. It was when I decided to leave ministry. Because I was in a church where I was treated like a second-class citizen because of my gender. And I was hurt and I was angry. I was hurt and angry at that church. And the truth is, I was angry at God. Because God called me to that church. And God called me to ministry. And then I was rejected. And I thought, I'm done. I was right there with St. Catherine, Catherine of Siena who said, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. But you know, in that leaving, I felt sad, but I didn't feel much guilt. Perhaps I've just admitted to you how well-developed my conscience is. <laughs> I think Peter felt more guilt than I did. But like Peter, God did not leave me there. Jesus called me back. God forgave me, and it changed my life. It changed everything about the way that I approach ministry, and it brought me eventually here to you. Do you have denial? Do you have a sin or a mistake that you need God to raise you from? It starts with awareness. It starts with awareness of what you have done and taking responsibility that it was yours. And then the next step is to confess it, to say it out loud. There is power in putting words on it and saying it out loud. And you can do that with me in confession. You can do it with a counselor. You can do that with a trusted friend. And then accept God's forgiveness. Embrace the forgiveness of God that transforms your life and then live out a life transformed by that forgiveness. That's what they did in South Africa with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Their terrible atrocities had happened under apartheid in South Africa and so they had a commission led by Archbishop Desmond Tutu where they said it out loud. The people who committed those atrocities said, I did it, and then named it and were reconciled. It was a, a powerful example of the transformation, the way it transformed forder, former murderers and rapists it transformed their victims and the families of their victims. It transformed their entire country. South Africa was risen 
strong from denial. Peter was risen strong from denial, and Jesus makes us the very same offer. When we have a sin or a mistake or a denial, Jesus is ready right there to offer us forgiveness that transforms our lives, rising us strong from denial. Would you pray with me? Lord God, even as we, even as we do things hurtful that feel unforgivable, your forgiveness feels unreal. It's, it's too big to expect, and yet there it is. Lord, we know that, that you require our acceptance of your forgiveness. Lord, give us the strength to be strong in you, to accept your forgiveness, and to allow it to transform our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.